I'm Steve Thompson, and today we're going to read Exodus chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pay close attention to this. I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Tell Aaron everything I command you, and Aaron must command Pharaoh to let the people of Israel leave his country. But I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn so I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Even then, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you. So I will bring down my fist on Egypt. Then I will rescue my, for my forces, my people, the Israelites, from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. When I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded them. Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 when they made their demands to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will demand, show me a miracle. When he does this, say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh, and it will become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord had commanded them. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh called in his own wise men and sorcerers, and these Egyptian magicians did the same thing with their magic. They threw down their staffs, which also became serpents. But then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. He still refused to listen just as the Lord had predicted. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn, and he still refuses to let the people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes down to the river, stand on the bank of the Nile, and meet him there. Be sure to take along the staff that turned into a snake. Then announce to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, Let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. Until now, you have refused to listen to him. So this is what the Lord says, I will show you that I am the Lord. Look, I will strike the water of the Nile with this staff in my hand, and the river will turn to blood. The fish in it will die, and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, take your staff and raise your hand over the waters of Egypt, all its rivers, canals, ponds, and all the reservoirs. Turn all the water to blood. Everywhere in Egypt, the water will turn to blood, even the water stored in wooden bowls and stone pots. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. As Pharaoh and all his officials watched, Aaron raised his staff and struck the water of the Nile. Suddenly, the whole river turned to blood. The fish in the river died, and the water became so foul that the Egyptians couldn't drink it. There was blood everywhere throughout the land of Egypt. But again, the magicians of Egypt used their magic, and they, too, turned water into blood. So Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted. Pharaoh returned to his palace and put the whole thing out of his mind. 
Then all the Egyptians dug along the river bank to find drinking water, for they couldn't drink the water from the Nile. Seven days passed from the time the Lord struck the Nile. I get a little sordid enjoyment at how God, in his desire to demonstrate to the world that he is God, the only God, the all-powerful God, by passing judgment on the Egyptians, makes all the Egyptian gods that the Egyptians worshipped look foolish. I mean, we all know that there are no other gods that exist, right? God's not really in competition with anything of substance. He's only competing for our attention because we have this tendency to make other things into gods. Usually it's things that we can exert control over. Usually it's ourselves. And Almighty God mocks these things. But what got Pharaoh and the Egyptians into trouble still plagues us all. We all struggle with heart problems. Twelve times in the book of Exodus, we see the problem articulated as Pharaoh hardening his heart or God hardening Pharaoh's heart. I just have to point out here that for the Hebrews and really for any civilization in the ancient, ancient Near East, there was no logical breakdown in accepting the apparent paradox of free will in human decision-making overlapping with divine causation. Both concepts play off from each other continually throughout the Bible and often in the same passages like we have here in Exodus. Let me put it another way with questions that someone might ask. So you're saying that humans have complete free will to make their own decisions and that they can be held morally responsible for those decisions. Yes. And you're also saying that God intervenes in the affairs of humans and causes people to act in certain ways in order to accomplish God's purposes? Yes. I know. It really plays with our very Western, post-enlightenment need to have everything spelled out into either definitively right or wrong, either or, black or white categories, doesn't it? That said, it's right here where I feel like God is pointing out something to me or in me. I'm responsible for the condition of my heart. So how's that going for me? Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Later in Scripture, as the prophet Malachi railed against how the Israelites were hand, handing out divorces like candy for the silliest of reasons, he pleads with them, So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth, 
For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. And in my own words, don't let your heart get distracted by other things um, and taken down a course that leads both you and others into hard situations, cruel situations. In Matthew, Jesus was explaining to the Pharisees why they were missing the point of what was causing sin in their lives when he said, Don't you understand yet? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. In the book of Luke, Jesus said this, Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. In other words, there are external factors, external situations that if we're not careful, dull our hearts. In his letter to the church in Philippi, Paul encouraged these people not to worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In other words, we are responsible for the condition of our hearts. I think just the fact that you and I are sitting here listening to Scripture, listening for God's voice in the process, we're doing the work. We're making sure our hearts are in good shape. We're tenderizing our hearts again to his gentle whisper in the face of life's circumstances and the things that we have problems with that tend to harden our hearts. So now, as we go from this place and this time, let's actively protect our hearts from cynicism that so easily sets in in the face of so much misery and bad decisions. Let's watch over our hearts from talk and conversations that don't reflect Jesus' heart. Let's defend our hearts from chasing after God's substitutes that just entertain and dull our senses. Let's guard our hearts with His peace by taking every thought, issue, and concern to Him with thankfulness. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Father, Pharaoh learned this lesson the hard way, and we don't want to have to do it the same way. We don't have to want to learn the hard way. So, Father, right now, if there's anything in our hearts that is making us hard or cynical or bitter or is just throwing up a block to you having your way in our hearts, then would you reveal it to us right now so that we could remove it? Would you show us where our hearts are growing cold or defensive? Father, in an attempt to then tenderize our hearts, 
we just come to you with thankfulness. Thank you for this chance. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for all the amazing gifts that you have blessed us with in our life, from physical resource-type gifts to people that you've surrounded, surrounded us with. God, we're thankful for all these things. We commit our day to you. In Jesus' name, amen.